0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You know, this fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing,
1: and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, toward the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it! 98 yards to the house. Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one handed catch hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero losses. Out Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that?
0: Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every now and then again, because it's the offseason. <laughs> Make sure to check season. us out on Twitter at VivalaCatsPod Pod and follow us on Spotify Apple Pods or wherever you listen. and also make sure to check out at UC uniforms for all the up-to- date uni tracker info from Steve. Uh, we're going to kick off with the NCAA tournament this week because uh, this weekend will bring us the final four and inevitably the national championship game uh, wherein now um, it is just down to the Blue Bloods, which is never any fun but Regardless here we are. Um the St. Peter's Peacocks uh couldn't stay hard hard long enough uh to make it to the final 4 but damn did they give it a good try.
1: I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. Well, Terry, unfortunately your peacocks are now out of the into the Blade tournament. I wonder if <laughs> um the the character from the other guys actually went to St. Peter's that's why was so in on the peacocks you know but um maybe he loved peacocks he mentioned it at least three times you know in that movie (laughs) my favorite movies by the way um but shout out to shaheen holloway doug edert and um i forget the rest of their names but like that was just an amazing run from a team that was really not expected to do anything from a school of three thousand kids uh, that plays in probably one of the worst arenas I've ever seen uh, for <laughs> college basketball. I've seen Thomas Moore's arena. Like, uh, St. <laughs> <laughs> Peters has a really bad arena, but, and it all came together and it, good for Sheen Holloway getting the new job too. Good. Uh, did you see Justin yep. that all the guys showed up at his new press conference uh, for yeah. the, yeah, which I thought was awesome. And like, I think, there's no hard feelings there on, on anybody. I think it's just like such a cool moment, everybody to have been involved in. And like, I think it just, it all came crashing down. And, uh, I think people really wanted to see St. Peter's get to the final four and maybe even knock out Duke. Cause like, come on, like coach K losing his last ever game, to (laughs) St. Peter's, the Peacocks, like, come on, that's stuff of legends.
0: So, I wanted to inject this really quick just because I thought it was so fucking funny. Somebody made a meme um, about Duke possibly playing St. Peter's if they made it through, um, where it's like that classic SpongeBob meme uh, with uh, the worm. (laughs) And it's like... We don't have to worry about this 15 seed. And then SpongeBob's like, that's not the 15 seed you have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so good. And personally, I would have loved, you know, I think we're all kind of in the same boat. We would have loved to see St. Peter's uh, beat up North Carolina, make it to Duke. But yeah, you know, times are times. Anyways, continue. Sorry.
1: Well, uh, you know, just shout out to St. Peter's, shout out to just a great run. Uh, Shout out to old Friday night Mac basketball. That's Mac with two A's. Uh, So back in the day in the mid to late 2000s, Friday night mac used to be just um, all the teams of the Mac playing home games on like ESPN2 or I guess new at the time ESPNU. Um, but like that was their time to shine on Friday nights, you know. So it was like Iona, Manhattan, St. Peter's, and like all the. I think there's like eleven schools in the MAAC. So shout out to Friday Night Maction. Shout out to the St. Peter's Peacocks. But honestly, Justin, at the end of the day, I think we are pretty blessed to see uh, Ford Blue Bloods, especially the first ever meeting of Duke and Carolina, yeah, in uh, the Final Four. It's kind of surprising, honestly, Justin, to see how little these rivals play each other in the big tournaments because like Kentucky and Duke, they don't have a rivalry really, if not for like that Christian Leitner shot. Um, Yeah. And like, that's, that's a rivalry that like started in the tournament, but like those conference rivals, like uh, Duke and, and North Carolina, they've, this will be their first time. Kentucky and Louisville played recently about 10 years ago uh, in the final four and elite eight and back-to-back years, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but like you know, UC and Xavier have never played in the uh, in the tournament. Like I'm sure there's a bunch of rivalries that have never been played in the tournament, and I think that's really it's really rare. Obviously, it's pretty cool to see. And uh, God, I am hoping, hoping and praying that Coach K takes an a big fat L at <laughs> one of these points.
0: Well, and I think it's really interesting too, considering that you know. Uh, not just the landscape of the Final Four, but the landscape that was around the Final Four. So going like through the Elite Eight, you have Arkansas and Duke matching up, which actually Arkansas looked pretty ready to take on Duke, but of you know of course Duke is going to be Duke and uh, ended up taking care of business there, knocked out our uh, old friend of uh, me, Mister Musselman. Um, and then of course, North Carolina, St. Peter's that just, you know, kind of all went downhill really quickly. St. Peter's got figured out. Uh, I think their steam, uh, just kind of ran short at the end. Um, but more interestingly was Houston knocking out Arizona. Um, and I thought Houston, after they knocked out Arizona, I thought for sure they could beat Villanova. And then of course, Villanova, uh, just has to go in and, you know, disappoint us in the American. We couldn't get our little share of uh, the gains from conference wins in the uh, NCAA tournament. But regardless, Villanoa ended up getting through. And then Kansas and Miami. Uh, Miami, you wouldn't expect to be Kansas. I think Kansas is kind of otherworldly this year. Um, Of course, I didn't have Kansas going this far because I was an idiot and chose Iowa to go all the way through to the final four. And damn it, wouldn't you know, they lost in the first round and screwed us over again. Um, <laughs> Iowa, uh, was honestly probably still to me, one of the biggest upsets of the entire tournament. Um, and that's not just because I had them picked to go so far. I think so many people did, um, they play again, but Wilson? like it's, sorry, they play again. Uh, they played Richmond, the spiders, Oh the spiders, the spidey. the Spideys. Uh, but yeah, they, I I don't know. They had a lot of seniors on their team. They've been a hot shooting team all year. I think they're one of the best offensive teams and just fell apart um, and couldn't keep up with Richmond. And honestly, I think if they were able to beat Richmond um, and just escape escape out of that game, they probably could have handled Providence. And then, you know, we would have seen what happened between them and Kansas. But uh, regardless, that didn't pan out. Um, And so then we ended up with the final four of all the Blue Bloods. Uh, But yeah, back to the point about Duke and North Carolina. I think it's so cool that not just like they've never played in the NCAA tournament, but the first time they're going to do it has such high stakes because North Carolina walked into Cameron Indoor, made a fool out of Duke, and beat Coach K at home in his last game in Cameron. Now they're going to play his actual last game if North Carolina wins. In the NCAA tournament in the Final Four. Like, I mean, Hollywood could not have scripted it better. Um, and you know, then everybody's gonna ask, well, did they mean for that to happen? They probably did, and they probably figured North Carolina would roll through. But I have to say, with the way that North Carolina's played throughout this entire tournament, including knocking out UCLA, um, beating Baylor the way they did, um, and what was that was still, I will say, the I don't know if you watched that game, but North Carolina-Baylor was the best game of the tournament, by far. I'd say so. Nothing probably. has topped that. Um, I watched every minute of that game, and down the stretch, when they went into overtime, it was bucket for bucket. That game was awesome. Uh, I had Baylor going to the Final Four, didn't care, was awesome to see North Carolina. Any team, whichever one, uh, end up winning in that. And North Carolina had, a, I think, a 22-point lead um, that they gave up. yeah. 25. So I think that sets a new record and uh, we can talk about the, we don't have to talk about the tournament that didn't happen anymore because somebody else broke uh, the record that was established in the tournament that was canceled in 2018. Uh, But regardless, um, (laughs) North Carolina, I just find uh, way better than the eight seed that they were this year. Um, And I think everybody kind of had a feeling because, especially the way they handled Duke um, at the end of the season that they, there was something a little different about them, but man, they've made quite a run and I'm excited. I'm just excited to watch that game between Duke and North Carolina. Uh, Villanova and Kansas will be interesting too, but again, regardless, we're going to have a blue blood final four. And, um, I have an interesting question to ask you about this before we move off of the NCAA tournament. Ask away, um, my friend. There was a, somebody brought it up. It might've been Chad brennan It might've been somebody else. Um, but I, I can't remember where it was. I saw a chat in the thread there somewhere, but um, it talked about who the true blue bloods are. And I think it came down to the sort of decision was that there was, there was a uh, five blue bloods. It was Duke, UNC, Kansas, UCLA, um, and somebody else that I'm forgetting at the moment. Um, but between all of those, the conversation came down to then too is Villanova considered a blue blood? And I'm curious what your opinion is on that because Villanova's won two national championships over what the past, like five years. Um, they made the final four a couple times, but before that, other than like a run that they had in the seventies or sixties or something like that, um, you know, they're really just a recent team, but would you consider them a blue blood? Um, because if you take Jay Wright out of this situation, do you think that that is a continual expectation for this program? And do you think that that puts them on the same level as D- uh, Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, UCLA, et cetera?
1: See, I don't even consider really like Duke a blue blood just because it's been all Coach K. Mostly. Ooh, spicy. I know. Spicy K, take. Definitely. But um, so Duke did make the national championship game a couple of years before Coach K got there. But uh, their whole, all of their success has mostly been under Coach K. And I would say to define a blue blood for me would be success in multiple sustaining generations like i i wouldn't really say villanova is that just because like they had their run in the 70s and they won that title over pat ewing in uh, 84 and mm-hmm. like they i don't know i i don't really see them as being a blue blood just because like they it took them 31 years to win another one 32 years to win another one um yeah but I I kind of find this argument just funny just because like it's it's basically like this is the uh LeBron Jordan debate of college basketball. It's like who's the blue yeah. blood? Who's <laughs> who's got more? Who's the I mean like I mean it's obviously just New Kentucky, North Carolina, like all those schools that really prioritize basketball over everything else. Um maybe Justin, that one that you might have forgot was like Indiana. Um and then like, you know, I, you could probably uh, argue for Louisville but I, I'm not going to because I don't like them and I I don't <laughs> I think they're tacky but um, I think I think Villanova has built the program up to a point where like they're packing out like the Wells Fargo arena in Philly for for their games and like some sometimes obviously that's mostly just like conference games that are those big games they're packing out but uh, to me like the the amount of support is there for Villanova oh. to be considered a blue blood. So
0: Kentucky, my God, I forgot Kentucky. Oh, oh, well, that's yeah, the other team that yeah. I was thinking of.
1: Yeah. Kentucky definitely. But like, it's like yeah. those programs that like, you know, they, they're, they're talked about every year, regardless of how good they are. It's like the Yankees get talked about every year in the MLB yeah. conversation, despite it, how much, how good or bad they are. Like, yeah, I, I guess an NFL team that would get talked about all the time. The Cowboys, despite how good or bad they are, they are <laughs> talked about on both uh, morning talk shows, Undisputed and First Take. You know, uh, they, they are yeah. talked about constantly. And so I guess it's mostly just like those. The, like, you know, do you remember the old Trill Ballins meme where like, he would put, like, wow, all my teams won this year? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And, like, he made <laughs> yeah. all the teams his profile picture. But, like, I'd say it'd pr- probably be like, you know, this, this stereotypical bandwagon fan who's like a fan of Yankees baseball, Lakers basketball, Cowboys football. Uh, and, like, do you notice they never have a hockey team in those? Like, I guess nobody cares about hockey, but, um, I I guess if you had to pick a team, it would be, like, the Maple Leafs, you know, even though they kind of stink. Um, And then it would be, like, Alabama football, and it would be either, like, Duke or Kentucky basketball, you know. And so I guess it's, like, you know, those main five, like, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina. um, You know, it's those main three for sure. And then, I mean, sure, I can call Villanova blue blood, but I think it's just, like, a very – I just think it's kind of a silly conversation, but sure, why not? Call Villanova Blue Blood. I mean, they they have a chance to win their third title of the past six years. Like, that's that's pretty good. They've won more recently than Duke Duke and UNC and Kansas combined. So, like, they've won two where those other programs haven't won at all. So, uh, I just think it's just a silly conversation, especially for, like, you know, when there's not, like, a uh, – these guys only stay four, five, six years – college and like they you can't have like lifelong players and have right con- it's kind of hard to build a continued successful like, you know program and obviously Kentucky have that in North Carolina and Kansas to some extent for sure like all four of these teams have that so I think this is very I'd, I'd, I'd be fine calling Villanova blue blood I think you also have to be the color blue to be considered a yeah. blue blood so <laughs> Um, Villanova. Well, is that.
0: Do you do you think the key to the success then, based on your uh, analysis, is that um, we should start having more like tenth year seniors?
1: <laughs> I, I always thought it would be funny if like a guy wasn't in the league and he still had eligibility. Like you know, he went. He only went to school for one year. Like he, he's like, all right, I'm coming back to school and uh, can I play? And like you know, now Jr. Smith. Is playing golf for North Carolina yeah. uh, at and even though he made all that money playing basketball for years. I think it'd just be funny to see guys like come back and like try to play, like you know, be like the thirty year old guy uh, next to a bunch of, like eighteen and nineteen year olds. I think that dynamic yeah. would be so funny, and like the team picture of just like the thirty year old guy <laughs> next to all the young guys would be very funny. So, I would just imagine,
0: be- imagine being the athletic department for um North Carolina A T like it's such free advertisement but at the same time I mean I don't know if it's what they're doing but imagine paying like a scholarship to like a multi millionaire like <laughs> <laughs> NBA vet uh to play golf. Like that that's gotta like I don't know. I mean they're like I said the marketing that they get from that just for having J.R. Smith on roster is probably outweighs it uh but i just find that funny to be having a millionaire on scholarship i I, I wonder if he's getting
1: much of a scholarship just because like i'm sure golf doesn't get like right allotment of scholarships that's true i don't know still crazy to me that college baseball only gets 11.7 scholarships like that's crazy but 11.7 for like a 40-man roster which is crazy that's that's actually nuts i did not know that yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I don't know. I, I, Jared Smith is probably not on scholarship, but it would be very funny if he was.
0: One interesting point that I wanted to add as a last, last point before we transition away from Let's uh, let's, let's move on. <laughs> NCAA basketball, last point. UConn uh, is not considered a blue blood, but they are uh, four for five uh, in making the final four and becoming the NCAA tournament champions, uh, even though we hate UConn. Um, Pretty crazy, but
1: yeah, yeah, I think they would be argued as like they didn't w- do anything before 1999. So I guess yeah. that would be the argument against them being a blue blood. But again, it's subjective. You know, call yourself a blue blood, do what you want. And I think it's more fun anyway in college when teams just like claim their own national championships and like, yeah. you know, well, except for UCF. But uh, like, like college, yeah. college is less regimented and it can be more fun that way.
0: True. Well, speaking of uh, more fun, we decided that a good way to add fun uh, to some of our off-season pods, just because there's not a whole lot going on uh, for the Bearcats, um, other than prepping for the NFL draft, Um, some injected fun would be talking about the Bearcats' greatest of all times, the GOATs. Bah! I don't know if that, that's probably not a sheep. I guess it's more of a sheep. Yeah, that's more of a goat. Thank you. Uh, and if you were to erect a statue uh, in Clifton, who would get the next one? Because um, as far as I'm concerned, the Bearcat has gotten two of the three statues that I know of. Well, I guess there's the Taft statue, too. There's only, like, four statues on campus, unless I'm thinking of something else. And two of them are the Bearcat, which we love our Bearcat, but I think it's time we get uh, some coaches or players involved in this whole scenario because there's a lot to, uh, there's a lot to unwrap there. So let's start with the statues. Uh, we're going we're to start with the greatest of all time because then we can get to the statues because then we're going to file it down. There's going to be a nice little funnel here. So if we dive into the sports greatest of all time, um, We're going to start with the 2000s, widen out our skew. So over the course of the 2000s for basketball, who would you say is your GOAT?
1: The scope of the 2000s, uh, not including a certain uh, player because he played most of his time in the late 90s. Um, Over the scope of the 2000s, I would probably say that uh, it would either be Jason Maxiel or uh, Deontay Vaughn. Uh, would be the, the the goat of the 2000s, just because I, th- I think Max Seal was a four-year guy and he obviously led the Bearcats. Another one of those big men that I like talking about a lot, that uh, really was a, a force during those late-era Huggins teams. Uh, and then I have a personal love too for Deontay Vaughn, who really <laughs> like carried like the weight of the program on his shoulders, and just I like we have now. Ne- we haven't won less than ten games uh, since like the '80s or the '70s, you know, and that was mostly due to Deontay Vaughn getting us to wins nine, ten, and eleven in some of those first yeah. years of Mick Cronin's tenure. And you know, shout out to, to, to the two of those guys. Uh, honorable mention, like the the cool, maybe one of the coolest players of the decade uh, of the '2000s, I'd say, would be uh, because we're not talking about the '2010s here, right? We're just talking about the '2000s.
0: No, no, no. We're talking full scope. So, sorry. Oh, so okay, we're okay. talking millennium in this millennium. In I was going to say, I, was, I mean, I, I, I wanted millennium. to let you go. Yeah. No, no,
1: know, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about that decade. Well, it's got to be Sean Kilpatrick, right? Or, okay. Uh, <laughs> either <laughs> well, him or Gary Clark. Yeah.
0: You know, so at that point, I'm kind of glad that I just, uh, you know, let you go on that because then it got us to dive into some of the uh, people that would be left out. And obviously everybody generally is going to go for SK, but I'd like, I like your picks there. Because I, those would be very good honorable mentions for um, the same point over the course of this two two thousands two thousand tens. Right. Well, what
1: about you? Like, what? So, like, you are obviously we all know who the nineties goat is, or maybe some people would debate between Van Exel and uh, Kenyon. But would you say SK
0: or would you go with Gary? Personally, um, I think. I think SK is an easier bet, um, especially considering if it's it's if we're trying to rule out some recency bias and look at the whole scope. But then again, um, I think it could very easily be argued for Gary just because um, I think there was more success over the course of the, um, you know, within the entire team and over the course of his four years with the team or on uh, starting. God, I can't speak right now. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> regardless, um, I think I think Gary probably would be my bet as much as I would love to say SK. I think it just kind of comes down to a full team push um, and winning this. Of course, you know, SK managed to get to the Sweet 16, and that's something that uh, no other Bearcat team really can say right. uh, in this millennium but i think i think gary gets the bet for me i think it's just the way the team succeeded over the course of his time uh with the bearcats and also his like offensive defensive plus minus uh for gary was nuts i think it's probably still the high one of the highest um in uc history and he's he's been a he was a stud while he was here so i'd roll with him um if we draw back, then so you're going to roll SK, we'll roll Gary. It's a mishmash between the two. If you're going pre anything before 2000s, uh, we're going to rule out Oscar because it's just that's an easy, obvious bet. Yeah. Um, who would you say from other than Oscar before the 2000s would be your goat? Well, it's got to be Kmart, right? I mean, just, you know,
1: him having his number retired, him being like a national player of the year, according to some outlets, and like just all the things he did for UC during his time uh, time there. Like people still love him. And like, you know, in like his words carried so much weight for the last two hires, you know, and like, yeah, it, it's just, it feels like he's just been a, a big part of the program still, even though if he's not there all the time. He's still like his words still carry weight around around here. And like um so I, I think I think it'd probably be uh Kenyon Martin. People would might argue for Nick Van Axel. Um but I think just how uh uh Kenyon was here for like four years and Nick was here for two. And uh, you mm-hmm. know, obviously Nick had the final four and uh Kenyon just had some success but not like and obviously he wasn't able to play in the one tournament where we think he could have gone far, but um, I think,
0: uh, I think I'd probably have to go with Kenyon. Yeah. Um, I would say I'd have to agree. Um, you know, I think we could put an honorable mention on um, maybe even Nick Van Axel. I don't know. That might be a stretch. Some people might try to choose otherwise. Um, I think also like if you go real far back, um, like, um, Jucker uh, and um, goddamn it, I'm zoning out. <laughs> uh, who am I trying to think of? Uh, Connie Deerking. Um, oh yeah, the Connie the coach, Deerking. Like, uh, way yeah, yeah. Um, I think some of those guys on those national championship teams, like, also have to be mentioned and thought of. I think it's just one of those things where that becomes a recency bias, where you know it's been a good probably, uh, quick maths, 60 years since, uh, those championships. So, um, it's hard to really know, especially without being able to have that, um, you know, people, people don't talk about, um, you know, those kind of teams the same way that like our parents or like our parents, friends would talk about, yeah, watching, uh, the nineties Bearcats was insane, you know? So, Thinking of it that way, um, I I would think I would have to agree that Kmart is just you know that '90s late '90s era um, really kept things sort of afloat uh, for this conversation, Um, especially when you consider the Bearcats' uh, high points, low points. I think that was definitely still, still to this day, is going to be our brightest spot, um, probably since that run that we had in the '60s. But um,
1: so, would you give uh, Kenny in a statue and uh, we can move on to football after this, but uh, yeah. like I think I would give Kenny in a statue and um, I, I tweeted this out on the uniforms account a while back, but I got some pushback from it that uh, SK would not like, we're not going to like retire his Jersey, which like, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter that much. But when I think about the retired jerseys, I think about Jack Twyman, uh, Obviously, there are only three retired jerseys. Jack Twyman. Twyman was the
0: one I was trying to think of. Thank you. <laughs>
1: okay. Twyman, Martin, and uh Robertson. And I guess SK never got to the level that Ro- uh, Robertson or Martin did. But like, man, he was pretty fucking good while he was here. Yeah. And maybe that's just my recency bias and not realizing like how good Kenya Martin or Oscar Robertson was. Were but like. I don't know. I feel like there should be some sort of recognition for like a guy like SK, who's like a two thousand point scorer here.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I definitely agree with you. I think I don't think SK ever got to the level of uh, statue worthy. Um, so I would say that much, but he definitely deserves to have his number retired. I mean that that stretch of Bearcat basketball was such a like defining moment. Um, you know, and that's obviously like for us, like that was growing up what we had. So, you know, we see that as like they he sticks out so much, but he at least I would say deserves to have his number retired, um, yeah. you know, and you don't want to be handing these out left and right. Um, but I think sort of the same, you know, conversation goes like people would say like Gary was probably one of the best players of the 2000s, but I don't think anybody considering how recent it was would argue right now that if you're going to retire a number that you should retire gary over sk i think sk is just that you know that big bright spot in the middle of a lot of you know kind of up and down um so i wouldn't statue him definitely retire the number um and s uh, and kmart i don't know i think because of how our conversation is going to shift here to football i don't know if i would give him a statue either i think he would be the most deserving for basketball but i don't think i would give it to him
1: we uh, you're right okay we we already have a goat you know and so yeah sh- shout out to um coach bob huggins by the way who uh is going into the the basketball hall of fame yes sir um, uh, over the summer and uh, you know a, a deserved honor and um i think i think we've moved on enough now where people are, were comparing our our basketball coach to huggins and now we can mm-hmm. say that like he man he really just like revived this program and he gave it a mark and you know I can I only have love for him now and eventually that's how I'll feel about Mick Cronin um <laughs> right now I'm still a little uh butthurt about Mick but um, eventually I will get over it and you know recognize him as like a, another guy who really gave his all to the program so shout out to Huggins um anyway Justin we were moving to football I believe yes so Obviously we do not have a football statue at the moment because a lot of our football success is pretty recent. Uh, between 1956 and 1997 the Bearcats did not attend a bowl game despite having some good seasons. Uh let's just say the football program was really not cracking. It really was not <laughs> it really wasn't up to snuff. But um I think about greats of UC football. Um there's only one man I really think that is going to deserve a statue at the end of the day. And it's going to be Luke, Luke fickle. Uh, he's really just, it's kind of weird how in, you know, like basketball, we wouldn't recognize a coach. Like, I don't think we're going to ever give, uh, Huggins a statue just because of like, how his time ended and all that, all the stuff Mm. that was like off court, you know, but right. Fickle, like if he just keeps this thing, I mean, he might just get one, like, if Arsenal Cincinnati's Pro Fools tweet was actually true that Luke Fickle was headed to Michigan, uh, to Ohio State, wow, I'm really messing up. Um, <laughs> then we he could probably get a statue today. Uh, and yeah, I've always thought it was weird to like give a statue to like a, a sitting head coach because, uh, for example, TCU has a statue of Gary Patterson outside their stadium and they just had to fire him last year, <laughs> so kind of awkward a little bit. Um, Real so awkward would probably just have to wait until after that, but I think it's, it's fickle hands down, maybe Des, but I, I think fickle is definitely worthy of a statue.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think we can kind of, we could go into the goat conversation too, but like, since we're on it, um, I think Fick clear in a way above anybody else. And that's why I said what I said about um, Kmart, not really getting a statue is because I think Fick would just, It's, you know, of course, we're all going to talk about, like, the fact that this is all happening right now. But to turn the program around the way that he did, um, and of course, that's not going to be single-handedly. Like, that's going to be attributed to everybody else on the staff, all of the players. There's so many moving parts. But, like, it is undeniable that Luke Fickle is the absolute nucleus of, you know, the Cincinnati football program. Like, that is just how it is. And, you know, I think so many of our wins – over that time course of time are attributed to him. You know, that we're, we're we like I said, we can compliment all these other players and pieces and parts of the puzzle, but you know, fickle is the reason why you take fickle out of this scenario. This is not, uh, <laughs> this is not the same team. We do not have the level of success that we do. Um, I don't care what coach you put in there. Um, it's just, it's a match made in heaven and I think it works. Um, and I think, That, you know, there's a lot of coaches that, you know, get their start somewhere or, you know, do really well um, and then kind of move on. And, of course, you know, Fickle still could be that person. We hope to God that's not the case. But um, I I think he has made his stamp on this university for a long, long time to come, no matter how long he stays, if he were even to, you know, if, if, if he up and left this year everybody would still be talking about Luke Fickle decades from now. And that's, that is a thing that I think makes you deserving of a statue. People will forget some players. People are going to forget. you know, if if we look back on this era, we're going to remember, uh, you know, Desmond Ritter. We're going to remember, you know, Alec Pierce, probably we're going to remember, you know, Jerome Ford or remember Mike Warren even, but like Desmond Ritter is going to stick out in our heads. Luke Fickle, that is a name that nobody will ever be allowed to forget by the time that we're, like, 60. (laughs) So that's the way I look at it, and that longevity uh, makes him the most deserving. So Yeah, I
1: agree. Fickle has definitely cleared his name as the best head coach in UC football history, and I think we're going to be able to give Dez the Ring of Honor treatment just because uh, the treatment is kind of weird. I guess you have to, like, break some sort of record – and, like, be an academic. Uh, I I remember seeing the criteria, but I I forget it now. But I think we're going to be able to get Des on the Ring of Honor in the stadium, which, like, it's just weird to me that, like, that that whole thing is just strange. I don't understand either the jersey retirement recognition or – I don't understand the ring of honor. Like I don't understand either of those things (laughs) and maybe I need to do more research on that, um, to educate myself. But it seems like a lot of people are confused by how those two processes work. So uh, Justin, I have a spicy question for you and use your, you really me your answer in 10 seconds, but you know, really think about this, this meatball. Yeah is Desmond Ritter, the greatest
0: football player in u c history Ooh. no, it's a spicy one, isn't it? That's a spicy one, you know, and i'm gonna people are gonna push back, back like at five damn it Or Desmond three, Ritter is the best football player two. in u c football history. I'm gonna wow. say it right now oh
1: wow wow <laughs> i
0: it's it's it, the guns to my head, and I have to make a decision. I'm going to say it. Of course, everybody is going to then go immediately and say, What about Sauce, Rick and Gardner? Of course, we're going to talk about Sauce. Um, and, you know, and I think that a corner plays such an important role. And considering how defensively locked down he stayed, clearly, the man never let up a touchdown. We can never argue that. That is probably never going to be topped. Um, but also, another thing that will probably never be topped is. A quarterback with the record that Desmond Ritter had, a quarterback that was as impactful as Desmond Ritter was. Um, and, and looking at his resume over the course of the years that he was here um, and the ceiling that we had to break through, um, that, you know, your QB is your defined leader of your team. There's no question about it. You know, you can say that all these other people are captains here or there. This is what it is. Desmond Ritter is far and away has to be because, you know, we can look back at Tony Pike. We can look back at all these eras. If Tony Pike doesn't get that, and, and this is, this is going to stir some people's boots too, but if Tony Pike doesn't get that miracle throw and miracle catch by Armand Benz to beat Pitt, we don't talk about Tony Pike. It's, it's just the truth. Like Tony Pike, I love the man. And he's he he was a great football player, great analyst, everything. But like we don't talk about Tony Pike the same way in that team, the same way that we talk about this team in the future from now on. And again, we're talking about so much recency bias, but Des showed consistency over all of these years starting. He also had the, you know, beautiful blessing of being able to stay healthy for a great part of that, too. But I just don't see how what he accomplished over the years that he was here um, and including the turnaround from the day he stepped in as the starting role. Um, I don't see how anybody tops what he did. And I don't see anybody that came before him that could top that um, because, you know, success is a full team thing. Uh, I, you know, obviously Gino has some more records, but numbers are numbers. And I think Des is that X factor um, within the Cincinnati program. And I, I I'm going to have to I'm going to have to roll with that. That might be spicy, but I don't know. He,
1: like I I try, I try to think of obviously Tony Pike. I try to think of obviously like maybe Isaiah Pete or Marty <clears> Gilliard <throat> or Gino, like any of those guys, but really I I can't think of any one player who would have like a a, a great above and beyond argument other than Desmond Ritter and like, yeah, maybe I'm missing someone listeners. Let me know, but I really think it's Des and I want to see him get the recognition he deserves. Um, if it's, whether it's in the ring of honor or just in, you know, like, I, I just want to see him get that recognition.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a hundred percent on board with you on that. Like, I just feel that when you stack up everybody's resume, um, over the course of time within this program, there's a lot of bright spots. There's a lot of people that really stand out. Um, but I think it's just all of the pieces came together just right. And, you know, Des is at the helm of all of that. Um, and again, just being able to get to where he did. And I, I think, I think this conversation becomes a lot um, less spicy if we managed to beat Alabama, if we managed to like even make it like a, you know, close <laughs> game, unfortunately, but I think if we manage to pull that off there, is, I mean, hell, does it probably be certified the first QB to go um, if we manage to beat Alabama? I think that just adds to his um, draft status, um, and I think that that makes him infinitely more valuable. But regardless, like you take all that away and it doesn't matter who we're playing. It doesn't matter. Um, what the circumstances are, I think he just took care of business so consistently over the course of four years that I, I just don't see how anybody could argue it personally. Yeah, and uh,
1: I mean, I really would have loved to see for him, but for me too, a win over Alabama, like you know, would have been great for many reasons. But <laughs> um, I, I, it was just a weird year to get into, especially. When the two biggest juggernauts in the game eventually played each other again for the chance of the national championship, but mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just it it was really just kind of a weird circumstance. Of we definitely had the talented team, but that was Alabama at full Alabama yeah. strength, and like I don't know, it was just weird. So, yeah. Um, speaking of Desmond Ritter, uh, he called himself the best prospect in the draft class. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you saw that the other day. I but did see that. I think he's right, honestly. So I yeah. don't know. I'm I'm always kind of been skeptical uh, because of my previous experience working for the team and filming pro days, like, and just seeing how athletic. Like my my example of this is uh, Eric Wilson. I don't know if you remember him, Justin. He played uh, in the Tuberville era, and he was like a great like uh, interior outside linebacker, uh, and he looks like he's chiseled from stone. Like he. And he like runs fast. He's like you know he can lift. He did all the combine pro day things so well at the UC thing, and I remember I was right there filming the whole thing, so I I can attest to it. And he didn't he went undrafted somehow. And I'm like God, there must be some like <laughs> dudes in the NFL draft if this guy went undrafted. So um, I'm definitely like I I have some pessimism about where UC Bearcats get taken in the draft but i'm excited to see where where he goes
0: yeah and and, you know i think that's the super interesting thing about him now is um you know kind of we're talking about it is um he's been all over tv lately i mean if if you're watching any kind of like um you know good morning football is kind of any kind of football shows or um uh any interviews with some of the figureheads within the nfl world um he's impressed a lot of people and i think like his conversations with teams um he's made a lot of noise and of course now like i think he's just backing himself up too by not you know and i don't think des really has ever been that but i think just showing that he has that confidence without being like a dick about it and without being douchey just saying like i believe that i have the best you know person or best quarterback in this draft class i think like those kind of things, people want to see that, and like people want to see that you want to walk into a team and that you really of course everybody's going to say, like I want to hear that you want to get us a Super Bowl. Everybody wants to hear that, but like you have to have somebody that believes that they can actually, you know be the game changer when they get drafted for a team. And I think Des believes that, and I think other people see that, and I think that they respect that. Um, and so you know, this kind of goes into my question here is, um, do you think that it would be realistic? that des could be the first or second qb off the board um i think there's you know a lot of the conversation um even after the combine which he really did impress a lot of people um do you think it's possible that he could surpass like malik willis um i think kenny pickett is still kind of what everybody's talking about to be the first qb off the board but do you think he could be that guy
1: um i definitely think he could i mean like the the falcons have been talking about him like that and like there's been a couple different teams sniffing around him and I really think he could I, I I think he's one of the most athletic if not the most athletic quarterback in the class and I really I just don't see the love for Malik Willis as as much as I do for Desmond Ritter just because like Malik Willis was definitely like a talent but I never really feel like he had a standout game where he just really like like diced someone up and like really just took someone to the woodshed and like Desmond uh, was playing against much better competition than Liberty ever did. Um yeah. <laughs> if Desmond got two games against New Mexico State in a year, I think he would have like absolutely torched their ass. Yeah. <laughs> so um by the way, Liberty plays a home at home every other year with New Mexico State before they joined the conference USA together which is very funny. Um but <laughs> to me like he's the most athletic uh, of the quarterbacks and but again my sentence system tells me well, he's not going to get drafted high just because like someone will see something in like I don't know like Sam Howell or Kenny Pickett. Yeah, small hands Kenny Pickett is going to get drafted <laughs> over over Des but at the end of the day I really just want Des to get drafted to good organization and really just uh, one where they he can get a chance to shine and like be protected yeah like yeah i don't know i think that would just be like ideal and uh because like the falcons like matt ryan the falcons have really been kind of trash uh with Mm -hmm. well i guess they had mike vick but uh, well now they don't have Matt Ryan anymore yeah, I I know that's what I'm saying. Like they the Falcon yeah. Matt Ryan made that uh the Falcons franchise relevant. So, well, I don't know. Like I mean, I would love to see Des get a chance somewhere else. Um even if it is the Steelers, like they they just had a quarterback for what, 18 years and like although I hate yeah. the Steelers, like it would be so good for Des's career to uh, right. to go to somewhere stable like that. So, um, I could definitely see him though being like one, one or two. But I'm cyn- uh, I'm cynical. I'll say though he, he gets drafted in the first or second round.
0: Yeah i I think that I think that Des can go top fifteen. I think there's enough demand um, between some of these teams. Although I will say a lot of teams within that sector have uh, taken you know their QBs and free agency um, and made some moves around. Um I'm curious. I don't I I don't know if somebody's already filled the spot, but uh with Deshaun Watson, um uh Mr. Hands-on in the Houston area uh, <laughs> going to the Browns, which I cannot believe that man after all the things he could say just said, "I am hands-on. Uh I was hands-on while in Houston." Well, of course you were. Um <laughs> regardless with him going to Cleveland, um have they picked up another uh, QB or, I mean, they've got the third pick. I don't think they're obviously, I really would never personally see Des going that early. I don't see them probably running for a QB, but um, I think it's possible that that franchise too could be looking at making their, finding their next franchise um, quarterback. So, I don't know if I just said all that for nothing, but I I don't think they have a like young QB that they're like this is our certified starter yet. As in, oh, and, you know, the Colts like, have Ryan and all these other teams that right, pick their guy. Yeah. Well,
1: and then if I'm thinking about it too, like I mean, Des de- definitely had some flaws, and so I could see him dropping just because of like some of those flaws. But just his overall body of work, I think he should be considered. The best or the second best quarterback in the draft, and if he falls, some some team is going to be lucky to find him. So uh, I okay. saw a mock the other day though, Justin, that had Sauce Gardner going at two to the Lions, which would be like yeah,
0: odd.
1: Like I would be six to, I would be six to midnight if that yeah. if a Cincinnati Bearcat drafted two, like
0: Lord. yeah. Yeah, that would that would be sweet, and that's something that we have never even come close to sniffing. Do you? Who is our highest ever pick? I mean, it's uh, definitely I think not it's lottery. It's Kelsey in the third round. I don't think, I don't think anyone's yeah. ever been. Maybe someone in the second round, but I think it's uh, it's Kelsey. Uh, no, there was um there program. was a O lineman that we had um recently um, man, the name's slipping me at the moment. Um, went to the Cardinals, I think in like the second round. Late second round, um, really? or early second round? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure Bearcats football draft highest. Don't you love that wording? Um,
1: um so the highest I'm seeing is. Oh, uh we did have one player taken in the first oh. two players taken in the first round uh, late 60s. Um Greg Cook was taken by the Bengals and then yep. Bob Bell was taken by the Lions. Um but in like more recent times, we had a guy go in the second round in both 84 and 87. Um and then in 1998 Artrell Hawkins was drafted um yeah, by in the at the 43rd pick by the by the Bengals. Um yeah. and then over the past 10, 15 years, we really haven't had anyone get drafted. Eric uh, Wolf. Eric Wolf, yeah. Isaiah Peed, huh? He's kind of high yep. up there. Good for him. Um, there was yeah.
0: – who I could have sworn we had somebody go, hi, uh, mm, no. Well, I have been corrected by the system. Kevin Huber. Fifth round uh punter.
1: Oh, Connor Barwin got drafted
0: um by the uh in the second round by the Texans back in them. Oh. oh yeah. Okay, so we've had we've had some more recent names up there.
1: We've had some twos and we've had some ones, but like uh I think what we need is like that first round quarterback again. Like so if this yeah. goes in first round, like that really just cements the program and like people always mm-hmm. bring up the Cincinnati thing,
0: you know. Yeah, God. I mean, I, I I'm just gonna bring this up as a real quick transition away from Des, but um, I mean, if, if for whatever reason, you know, the the Bengals just said, you know, we're we're obviously keeping Joe Burrow. There's no fucking question about that. But would you be would you be so against seeing you know a team like the Bengals or like the Chargers or um, you know, the Chiefs or somebody who's got like their certified starter, would you be against seeing him going to a team like that?
1: I mean, I would not be, just because I could see him stepping in, and like obviously we we thought had a thought that the Browns might do that before they went and got the uh, yeah the hands-on man himself, <laughs> um, but like I could see like. You know the falcons the falcons have a starter in mariota for this year but like yeah Dez could theoretically sit and just like you know learn the offense and stuff behind mariota and maybe even like the colts could do that too and like they could draft mm-hmm. uh, des to be behind matt ryan because uh th- like matt ryan's only got maybe one or two more years in the league you know he's yeah he's not much longer for the league um but there's like a couple teams up there like even even the lions like i i, I saw des to the lions at some point in this draft process i haven't been yeah. following it that closely but um i think like you know it's it's a possibility that he could get drafted to sit but i don't know like i i think if i if i'm being honest like if he had like you know, say the panthers selected him at six or um you know, the Texans selected him at three. Like, would you be that surprised?
0: No, I mean, I, I think, like you said, Des is just such a enamoring character because he could very well go like, you know, top two QBs in this draft, or he could slip back to like four or five. Um, But like, we, I mean, like you said too, I mean, whoever is getting him regardless of where he goes is going to be a gem. And I think, I think there's a real possibility that he goes in the first round, whether or not he's going to be that starting guy, um, is going to be the big question mark, but I think he deserves to be in a position where somebody's just going to say, all right, you know what? You're our guy. We're just going to roll with it and see what happens. Um, you know, and hell, I mean, I I don't even know what the other team that I was thinking about too was, um, the saints. I don't know who they, I guess probably Jameis Winston, I would think at this point. Um, Let's see. Saints QB. Because obviously, Drew Brees is retired. Yeah, they have... Okay, they have Taysom Hill. um, And they just drafted Ian Book, which is... uh, I forgot about that. Um, And who else? Uh, Oh, yeah. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton just got picked up by the Saints. Totally forgot about that. Uh, The Red Rifle himself is going to be partying down in NOLA, um, which is going to be an interesting conversation. Um To see how standing he pans on a out.
1: corner, Andy Dalton down in NOLA, <laughs> such a fine. <laughs> I I think he'll start too, just because Jameis is coming off of an
0: ACL tear. So Jameis always start coming Andy. off an injury. Yeah, that's yeah. True. I mean, I, I I'd see it too, and I think I I would be really surprised if they don't try to just you know I think they could really give it to Taysom Hill too, but I think Taysom's just such a plug-in guy. Literally put him anywhere, he's like the. Uh, I don't know. I guess he's kind of like the designated hitter of <laughs> football, but um, I think he's one of those guys that could really be, um, you know, interesting, but I, I, I don't know. I, regardless, we're spinning away from the conversation. The most important part to realize is that Des is going in the draft somewhere within the first two rounds. I think that is pretty much for sure. I don't see him slipping to round three. I just think that it'd be ridiculous if he got that far. um, But the Bearcats are going in the first round one way or another because no matter what, Sauce Gardner is going, um, you know, top 15. Guaranteed. Um, Watch out for Kobe, too. You never know. Yeah. Kobe Kobe I'd love to see go first round, too, but I think he's going to slip back, and somebody is really going to get a steal with him. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, No kidding there. But um, last really point of uh, the day, Uh, we can uh, do a lightning round. Um, on these actually if you'd like Steve uh, just because I want to give you like I want I want 20 seconds on each answer after this but um, Xavier went and won the whole damn NIT um, which (laughs) is all memes and we get to laugh about because you know it's Xavier and it's well it's the NIT and it's a joke (laughs) Uh, it's for all the guys who just just weren't good enough to make it Um, But at the same time, I think to a certain point, there's also a small certain level of respect that has to be given to a team that can go and win uh, another, what, five or six games at the end of their season, um, you know, regardless of what you're playing at. But then again, it's the NIT, and now they have two of those banners, which is the same amount that the Bearcats do in real national championships. Um, And so they're just going to add the Add, add add one more banner and I, I guess this is just a level of expectation for the program now. Um I don't know. What, do you, do you think that it's fair to meme them to hell or do you think we actually should give them just a little bit of respect?
1: Oh, incredibly fair to meme them to hell. They're the 69th best <laughs> team in America. So shout out to them. <laughs> shout out to the Roblob boys. I mean, like I really don't think it's worth celebrating that much. Like, I don't yeah. know you're always going to live with the fact that you celebrated the nit like my my buddy brandon uh works at dana's and he he put up a snapchat story last night of a packed dana Gardens celebrating xavier winning <laughs> the nit and like okay now justin i know what i said uh on our most recent episode about how we can't talk like we're above the nit but this is a point where i'm like okay I'm fine with not playing in the NIT because I don't want to celebrate NIT championship. Like, uh, even for the memes, like I don't want to say I'm the 69th best team in America. Like, yeah, (laughs) Memphis last year and Xavier this year won the NIT, and like I I think it's just more funny that we're like, no, we're good. We don't we really don't want to play in that. And like, yeah, (laughs) usually at the end of Xavier games, if I'm watching them, I'm like, like dead die hard on like come on stop them come on let's go and like at the end of that game like when they won i was like "Eh, you know good for them that small little school over there let them have their little little trinket at the end of the day but um yeah when sean miller gets arrested uh by the fbi and the (laughs) ncaa in tandem uh it gets let out of there like uh uh, cuba gooding jr uh out of the courthouse <laughs> one of my favorite memes by the way is uh him being led out of the courthouse in in handcuffs and stuff and his face is just very funny um <laughs> i hope it was all worth it in the end xavier you'll but they'll never take down this banner they'll never take down the nit championship banner so um, they can never take that away <laughs> I, justin i we laugh at just the fact too that like they had that banner tweet ready and like they put like they're they're not going to put up a separate NIT championship banner. They're just going to add to it. Just Yeah. <laughs> like, to me, like, I don't know. That's funny. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, w- now the NIT is definitely, like, we should be, like, we shouldn't shit on the NIT. It's, like, definitely a cool thing just to have basketball and stuff. But when your rival wins it, it's kind of funny, you know? Like, oh, yeah, it, yeah. Two of your rivals <laughs> win it. Honestly didn't realize that Memphis won it last year before I, I watched all of the uh American conference uh commercials during conference play this year. So yeah. like it was just very funny, uh to realize that those two teams have won it in the past two years. So Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's I was like the smallest bit like, you know, good for you and I but the Schadenfreude was definitely uh, on full yeah. tilt, and like, I saw a bunch of people saying like "hang the banner, hang the banner, hang the banner," yeah. you know, and like I, I, I think like my one buddy, like so, I have a, a couple other Xavier friends other than like the hawks we both know like our buddy john and then all the the yeah. pod guys those guys are definitely hawks for sure for xavier yeah. but <laughs> i think my buddy matt i don't even know i don't even know if he tweeted about the game last night like just because yeah. like i think at the end of the day you know like okay this is really r- not where i want the program to be like we, yeah. we we should be
0: winning games in the real tournament you know so like, well, well i just... have to i have to ask because um you know, we, we mentioned for a ha- half second there that Sean Miller, um, you know, could inevitably be uh, you know, problematic with Xavier, uh, which we're gonna often mention now. Everybody knows. Sean Miller has been hired, uh, once again by Xavier to be their head coach. Um, but I find it really interesting, uh, because I feel like Sean Miller's gotta be looking at this. You know, it's like the team is just going nuts or the NIT and this guy just came from Arizona where, you know, he's making elite eights, final four, sweet 16s, whatever he's doing all of it. Um, and he's a super, super winning coach. And, you know, he obviously clearly accepts nothing but the best because he's willing to pay a lot of money for it. Um, he's gotta be looking at this NIT and just is like, man, is this what I'm walking into? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, you go from like, it's, it's going from tournament ready team to just monumental collapse Um, and then, you know, now like the conversation is like, ah, like the NIT is just, I don't know. It doesn't put a stain on your program by any means. Um, and it's always good to win. Like, and I, I, I'll say this much there. If you look at the way all of the conference championships are structured, like those tournaments at the end of the season. Um, and if you look at the way the NCAA tournament is structured, one team wins the NCAA tournament one team wins each of the conference championships, which there's like, what, 30 conferences. So when you look at the grand scheme of things, there were very few amount of teams that actually win at the end of the year, like that, that their last game of the season is a win. Um, which, you know, some of them, it's just going to come down to, you know, winning your conference championship. And then you go, you know, one off loss as a 15 seed or 16 seed in the, uh, tournament. But, Like, I I feel like that's where I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, I'll give them their respect just for that. But I do agree. Like, the NIT is just – it's not something that you really should be cheering about. It's nice to cheer about winning, but it's not necessarily nice to cheer about the NIT. Um, Yeah. So, with those points mentioned, um, like we said, Sean Miller, uh, we'll see what happens there. I'm really curious to see. I actually just saw something recently that um, the – uh 26 overall uh ranked draft class member i can't remember his name it's like uh tyron or something like that i can't remember for Xavier um, that they had was a, a decommitted, uh decommitted from Xavier following travis Steele's uh firing so that's would be like their second or third highest ever um, draft class pick or uh, uh recruit sorry um and so he's already walked away. I'm really curious to see if more guys walk away. Um, and sh- I'm just coming to the realization, we have had no conversation. I know we're getting to the point where we're wrapping this up, but we had no conversation about the fact that Saunders and Madsen uh, and Banks and um, there's another one that I'm leaving out. Um, remind me, but we, we had no conversation that our, <laughs> some of these guys have uh, entered the portal. I totally forgot to mention that.
1: Well, uh, they're dead to us, so uh, oh, forget about. Them. No, 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 no. I, we we want to thank them for their. Uh, well, and then DDJ is coming back, you know. So yeah, uh, can like you know just stinks, but obviously like great, great for them. Uh, happy, uh, you know, good. Go get your, go get what you need to do and stuff. Like you know, and we're gonna be we're gonna support them any way they they can. And losing Mike definitely hurts, um, but uh i think it's only mike mason and rob banks i don't really think it's anybody
0: else so I guess um, there's... oh aj mcginnis yeah that's the oh yeah, was... yeah yeah yep so so
1: um it definitely hurts but like you know getting dave back is like you know he's he's huge and uh, i think this is gonna also gonna free up time for the young freshman to play as well so um yeah now justin where uh should West Miller still do the bit that I proposed where he uh, puts money down on the bar, um, even though Travis Steele is not going to do that anymore <laughs> uh, <laughs> after he wins the shootout this year.
0: Oh, um, I don't know, but I know this much is that bricks, brick street is going to get some money if uh, Miami beats OU. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but gonna, uh, He's just going to continue the tradition. Yeah, Travis,
1: uh, relocating up to Miami of Oxford. Uh that's actually a good hire from Miami, I think. And like Yeah, you know, for sure. Were, I think like their basketball program was dead for a while and like now they're they might be relevant. So good for them.
0: That's true. And I, I you know I think Travis Steele's definitely a much better coach than uh Miami would have been looking for. So they got a gem of a hire there. Um considering their you know playing field that they're on. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see what he can do with that program. And obviously he knows how to recruit. So hell, if he can manage to recruit guys to Miami, the Ivy league of the West, <laughs> then maybe Ivy. the Red Hawks will figure it out.
1: <laughs> um,
0: we're going to do quick lightning points just cause I have to get them out. And I want to know, I want a 10 second answer on each one of these. Right um, in. have you watched moon Knight yet?
1: I have not, but I need to.
0: Okay. Very good show. We can move on. Um, The the biggest thing here, Chris Rock getting smacked into next week by Will Smith. What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I thought it was funny. I thought people made too much of a deal about it. And um, Will Smith just resigned from uh, the the Academy, which I didn't know that was a thing. So um, I I don't know. It's very funny. I think people made too big of a deal of it. A man slapped another man on the face. Let it go.
0: Very well. I, I would have to agree with you on that. Um, and last point, uh, Bearcats baseball, nothing to write home about. Uh, they are 9-14 and after what seemed like a somewhat promising start, especially with that win over Ohio State at home. Um, what are your thoughts on Bearcats baseball?
1: Uh, <laughs> they literally got their asses kicked in uh, f- uh, four different games at three different locations by the Xavier <laughs> Musketeers. Uh, so not great, but uh, as we record, the Bearcats are currently beating uh, the team that is supposed to win the American Athletic Conference at the East Carolina Pirates. They are winning six to one in the eighth inning. So uh, nice. hopefully that uh, closes out and they can, uh, you know, Justin, I've been listening to a college baseball podcast recently, and uh, it really doesn't matter what you do in the non-conference as well as, as long as you turn it on in conference play. So uh, that's our there hope there for the Bearcats.
0: And last point of the day, uh, we are in the end times of spring training before opening day. Um, How do you feel about the Reds?
1: Um, I think they're going to be better than people thought they might be after um, trading Winker and Suarez and Gray and Garrett, but um, they're definitely, I I think the division is weak as well, but I'm not very optimistic. I see uh, high-end Uh, 75 to 80 wins uh, for the Reds still this year. Even
0: after all the losses, I still think they can be a good team. I think I would have to uh, applaud you for your optimism there. Um, It's good to have some amount of optimism after the uh, shit show of a mess of free agency that we have just witnessed over the past few weeks. Since since Um, I moved
1: out to Phoenix now, games start at 4 o'clock. So maybe I'll just end up like if if they go losing at the end of the year, I'm just not going to... I'm not gonna be able to watch because you know that's rush hour. So I'm, yeah, like, I, it's so horrible that I'm not gonna be able to watch a losing team. So, no, oh, I'm kidding. What a shame. I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in on them. So, uh, well, Justin, this was fun. Um, uh, and we yep. should do it again in uh, a couple weeks time or something, and we should break down some more uh, mundane topics. But the, uh, always good, <laughs> <laughs> good to get back on the mic, especially to laugh at Xavier.
0: Of course. Well, this has been, uh, an off season edition of La cats. Um, you know, we'll see if we have another one strung up, uh, before the NFL draft. Otherwise we'll probably hit you guys after, uh, the NFL draft, um, seeing how our schedules work and what we decide to talk about. But regardless, thanks for listening. Um, be tuned in for the next episode. Whenever that comes out, um, take care, drive safe, wherever you're going. And, uh, you know, go Bearcats. Oh, Bearcats.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.